is an intro. Let's do this. Hello and welcome back to Okay Fine, I'll Watch It, the podcast where I, your host, Rahat Sani, discuss incredibly popular media that I've never seen before and I'm watching for the very first time with someone who loves it. Today for our very first Christmas episode and our very last episode of 2021, we're talking about the Christmas action classic Die Hard. Joining us today to talk about Die Hard is Vancouver-based comedian, the very funny Kevin Banner. So not much else to say, but yippee ki yay, motherfuckers, and let's get into it. Alrighty, folks, this week on this very special first Christmas episode, we have a very special guest, Vancouver-based comedian, the first comedian to be signed to 604 Records, who has also appeared on CBC's The Debaters. We have Kevin Banner in the house. Hi, Kevin. Hello. How are you? So, so good. So excited to have you on the podcast. Thanks for being here. Yeah, my pleasure. I listened to a few episodes this week and I'm I'm hoping to do it justice. Oh, oh, oh my God. Thank you. Well, first of all, thank you for listening. I really appreciate of that. Sometimes I invite people to be on the podcast that I've never met before. And I also, I just assume they've never listened to the podcast. <laughs> and then I'm like, maybe this will be a very shocking experience for them. I don't know if they know what they're in for. So I'm glad that you've listened to the podcast. Yeah, of course. It makes me feel I, it's, I, From experience though, too, like I've done podcasts in the past where I didn't listen to an episode before and then I'm like, oh, they have a segment about this that I wasn't prepared to yeah to or something so yeah, I yeah, to make yeah. sure no, I was ready to go definitely the right call to do your research on that so I appreciate that die hard what a great thing to do an episode on I think it's a rather contentious subject for a Christmas yes. episode and I think it's because of the most contentious question related to die hard which of course I have right. to ask you first and I'm mm-hmm. sure you know where I'm going with this of course is, is Die Hard a Christmas oh. <laughs> Is it a Christ story? <laughs> is it the story of Christ? No, wait. We can get to that after. But I think the first question I have is, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? So here's the thing. For years, I said no because I thought it was funny to piss off my friends who were adamant that it right. was. Okay, yes. Because there are but people who are adamant that it is, right? There are. And it, it's kind of like the pineapple on pizza debate online. Right. Okay. Or okay, like, okay. is a hot dog a sandwich? Where people get <laughs> way too invested and it's just easy to, to, you know, piss off a friend by oh. saying, of course, it's not a Christmas movie. It's it's pretty Christmas. It's the water is um, wet of uh, of Christmas movie debate. Yes. I get that. I get that. Yeah. It's very, it, it's, it's, it's got... Uh, the guy's coming home for Christmas. It's got Christmas movie or Christmas music. Mm-hmm. Um, there's trees, there's lights. It's it's a Christmas movie. It's not necessarily in my Christmas rotation. It's not one that I would watch around Christmas time if I wasn't, like this year, if I wasn't doing the podcast, I probably wouldn't have watched it okay. this month. But who am I to tell anyone that they can't enjoy it at hey, uh, fair Christmas enough. time? Fair enough. I mean, yeah. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be one to tell people what... It does or does not constitute a Christmas movie necessarily. You know, it's like I yeah. don't have a checklist of what makes it a Christmas movie. So who yeah. am I to say? But I mean, I think I, I would understand if some people say that it's not because it doesn't have that much Christmas content. But I mean, there's some pretty strong moments, I think, that would make the case 
for sure. why, why it does qualify. So, I mean, it's obviously been a part of your life for a while, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Um, I had Die Hard on VHS. That's how wow. deep I go back Damn. with Die Hard. Back onto physical copies of films. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that is fair. You know, when I first started watching the movie... I did not um I did not know what year it came out and I cuz I like to do look it up after cuz sometimes the movie just reveals itself to you you know and boy oh boy did this movie ever reveal itself to me about how old it is the second it started at first I was like I don't know and then he got out at the airport and started smoking a cigarette smoking indoors a cigarette, yeah. and I was like oh this movie is old okay and then immediately afterwards when they introduce Holly Gennaro um she tells a woman who is I think straight up nine months pregnant to go get a drink which i also love as like a vibe of like (laughs) hey this movie was from the 80s everyone please keep in mind but my favorite my favorite like icing on the cake of like this movie is is older than i thought it was um was the fact that this is a movie about terrorists and the terrorists are white (laughs) (laughs) nothing says pre 9 11 (laughs) movie than white terrorists yeah. There is no, I grew up in a post 9-11 world. I don't remember anything before 9-11. That's just the truth about my life. So the fact that there's a movie that features terrorists and those terrorists are not brown, immediately <laughs> shocking to me. Yeah. Because like the 90s was very white terrorist heavy, like Passenger 57, right. uh, uh, Wesley all these other movies. Yeah, they were always, it was always like an evil white guy who just wanted to make some some money. And then, yeah, we had a very brown heavy <laughs> terrorist, uh, terrorist streak but i think <laughs> yeah. we've come back around where now the terrorist groups you're going to see in movies are going to be very diverse i feel mm. like you're going to see because they don't want to stereotype they don't want it to be like all brown guys are terrorists they want so there's going to be you're going to have the terrorists great in white terrorist there's going to be white <laughs> 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 it's, the, <laughs> it's the renaissance of white terrorist guys hey yeah. And uh, white guys think there's no roles for them anymore. Come on, guys. <laughs> Come on back into Hollywood. We got some roles for you. So it's been around in your life for a long time. Yeah? Yes. And, yeah, and, I love the movie. And you said that it's not like a Christmas tradition for you necessarily to watch it. No. But but obviously, I mean, you're on the podcast, so you must have a lot of love for this movie. So what makes mm-hmm. it special to you? Why do you love this movie? It's just an odd, like it's, uh, it's just an awesome story. It's a, it's a fun movie. There's a lot of like sarcastic kind of, you know, uh, smart alecky kind of dialogue and there's twists and turns. They're not, it's not too heavy. It's a very, it's light fare. It's fun. Um, I remember the first time hearing about the movie kids on the playground were talking about it when I was in, I guess, elementary school, maybe middle school, but they were talking about the scene where, the terrorists shoot out all the windows because they know that John McClane is barefoot. Yes. Uh, and he has to run through the glass. And I remember the kids talking about this. I just was like, I have to see this movie. Yeah. I mean, that is, uh, to be fair to those children, that is a very high intensity moment. It is a very like yeah. smart conflict to write, yeah. you know, and it's like, it's been, it's been like suggested so many times the whole, like him being barefoot is an issue, obviously for, for a very intense action movie, but the way that bring that, they bring that back. It feels like a very smart conflict to introduce. So, I mean, I get it. If I was a kid, I would also be excited about that. Yeah. Um, so now, it, did you see, sorry to interrupt. Did no. you see the, uh, 
the episode on Netflix of the movies that made us about Die Hard? No, I did not. So I did. And okay. I feel like I'm going to, I am going to make some references to things that like facts that we learned in that. Of course. If anybody sure. has a problem with that, I invite them to cry hard. Uh, <laughs> but Suck it. <laughs> but they show, they show, which I never noticed as a kid, but there's a couple of times where he was wearing like prosthetic feet over his feet so that he could do all these things. And there's like little bits of like his ankle, like is peeling away. So you can see that you could see these wow. little foot booties. <laughs> That's so fascinating. You know, because I actually was thinking in my first viewing of it, I did watch it twice. I kind of fell asleep the first time. Not a judgment of the movie, but of the fact that I've had a busy week. Um, right. But I, I remember falling asleep a little bit the first time. But now that I watched it the second time, I remember having the thought both times that, hey, this would be a lot of action to perform barefoot because I am an actor and I you know when I when I'm watching films it's rare for me to not at any point have a thought about like oh what would it be like to record like to film this you know and and I was thinking about how like it must be a pretty crazy experience to be Bruce Willis and record this movie because so much of the film is just you fucking around in a construction site like that's that's like 80% of the movie is him just like like jumping over shit and kicking shit down and climbing out of elevator shafts so it's a lot of action and to perform that as an actor or barefoot the entire time would be an incredible challenge so i guess that makes sense that they tried to find a solution for that yeah also you mentioned it there briefly that this is the number one movie all time for people who want to know what the inside of an elevator shaft looks like oh my god yeah if there's you've so ever much been elevator curious, shaft footage so much elevator shaft footage it was a lot it was it was deeply informative if i wanted to be an elevator technician <laughs> or a robber i guess or try to hide from robbers like either way either way it works um but there is there's a lot of there's a lot of action great action in the movie and like my journey with this podcast has often included me including a lot of uh, action movies into my into my world that didn't exist there before. I grew up with sisters and I watched a lot of romance growing up and a lot of comedy. Right. And so like action films have not been a big part of my childhood um, experience. And so I think one part of my journey here is just allowing it like allowing my to surrender to that you know that the action is supposed to be cool and that is a huge draw for this film so would you say that is the biggest draw like what else sticks out about this film beyond of course bruce willis is an action star did okay here's a question i have yes did bruce willis already was he already established as a huge no, action star not at all okay he was a failing movie star but a big tv star Oh, okay. He was on a show, uh, I think I wrote it down somewhere. He was on a show called Moonlighting. Okay. Uh, and I think it was with Sybil Shepherd. And he had done two films and they both bombed. Wow. And so when okay. this movie was being uh, thrown around Hollywood, the script was being thrown around Hollywood, they originally it was offered to Frank Sinatra because it was technically it's the book that the that it's based on. Uh, I wrote that down too. The book is called Nothing Lasts Forever. And there was a this movie based with the on same. A book? Yes. There was, <laughs> okay. a, there was a movie back in the 70s that starred Frank Sinatra called The Detective. And so, because this was based on the same source material, they had to offer it to him first. But he was like, no, I'm in my 70s. I don't want to yeah, do this I, shit. I was really trying to like squint my way into figuring out how old Frank Sinatra would have been. And it's <laughs> not working. I have no fucking idea. Uh, so they offered it to Frank Sinatra first yeah. and a number of the other names. I also Googled this and it was also in that episode of movies that made us, wow. uh, Mel Gibson, 
Clint Eastwood, Burt Reynolds, Sylvester Stallone, Richard Gere, Al Pacino, Harrison Ford, Arnold Schwarzenegger, all turned it down. And then Bruce Willis said, uh, yippee ki motherfucker. <laughs> they landed on, on a failing movie actor, but he was big on TV at the time. Right. And when the trailer first aired, um, when they made the movie, they first aired the trailer, there was people from the studio there to watch the reaction. When his face came up, the audiences laughed and booed because they were like, that's the fucking moonlighting guy. Get the, get out of here. Like you're, you're, like, you're not. Is that fucking so they, Bruce Willis? Who cares? Yeah. So they <laughs> even, so for the first, like they put out the posters with his face on it. And after the booing and like laughing that people just weren't taking it serious, they took his face off the posters and all the promotional material until like a month and a half into the run when it started to become a success from word of mouth they put him back on the poster. Holy shit. See, yeah. I think, yeah, I think that's part of the context that I'm missing because, you know, all my life I've known Bruce Willis as this like action right. star. That's the only way I know him. And so like, I, it's hard for me to fathom that this, this movie is what created that image and yep. not, not the other way around. Like the movie is not like, to me, it's like yeah. a movie like this where he, so much of the film is him right if yeah. he were already famous it's not a it's not a um i mean he he was already successful in some ways but i think if he were already an established action star it would not be uh, a stretch to imagine that he has like an executive producer credit you know or like he made this movie himself kind of thing because he's the big right. star in it but no nope nope not he even was a little a, bit not even a little bit and uh yeah so now thinking of that though that he was a TV star who became a big action guy. If you were to recast the movie, uh-huh. say in 2022, okay. you direct and produce Die Hard five or six or whatever it is at now. What <laughs> what TV star comedy uh, star would you put in that role? For me, it's Young Sheldon. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> that is a really good one. I was gonna say, um, I think it has to be. The guy who plays Jughead. <laughs> I think we have to put the Riverdale cast in Die Hard. We could even put them in it all together. I think they could try and like figure out the mystery of how to solve this from the inside, but it's just the cast of Riverdale. <laughs> Friends, we will be right back. Now, I watched your episode that you did with, or listened to the episode you did with Gavin Clarkson about the Matrix. Yeah. You watched all three Matrix movies. Is I that did. Correct? I know. And today I am sad to inform. I did not watch all the diehards. Okay. I was going to say, I do know. you know how many there are? I did look that up because I considered watching all of them. Okay. And right. I, and I almost, I decided at some point that it might be more respectful to only watch the first one. <laughs> <laughs> I made that, I made that an assumption and maybe that's unfair. It was also largely because of my time constraints this yeah. week, but, but I, I watched the first one and I considered doing more. And then I realized there's so many of them. Yes. So I, and have get, you seen them all? I've seen uh, Die Hard 1, Die Hard 2, Die Harder. Uh, yes. Die Hard with a Vengeance. And yes. then I gave up because everyone that I know that saw, what were they, a good, a good day to Die Hard and Live Free or Die Hard said that they were horrible. <laughs> and he went from being like just this cop to like basically a superhero where he could like 
jump a motorcycle into a helicopter or yeah, something yeah. crap I, like I would that. expect i mean because i think i think already the first diehard is is so like fantastical in what he is as an individual is able to accomplish but it's like just under the limit where people would be like this is like ridiculous right you know it's like just under that so i think i think if you're trying to up the stakes for any following movies it's gonna get real real crazy real fast it got nuts and if you do watch any of the other ones i do recommend die hard with a vengeance because okay. it is a lot of fun it's him he's back in new york city he's uh he teams up with a pawn shop owner played by samuel l jackson okay uh and a bad guy uh terrorist who is uh alan rickman's brother uh his like so um hans gruber's brother uh comes back to get bruce willis in the third one okay and he has him do all these things around the city like these little like puzzles and stuff to figure out if he can't figure out the puzzles in time or the riddles he'll set off a bomb somewhere in new york city oh, shit okay the it's gr- pretty the bad gruber, the gruber brothers come back the gruber brothers we got to talk about gruber we got to talk about alan yeah. rickmond what what first of all i did not know he was in this movie i did not know anything about mm-hmm. die hard obviously i have to say that but i did not know anything about die hard except for whatever i've picked up in references from popular culture primarily brooklyn 99 and, right. and so that is my reference for all things die hard and as much as i've heard like hans gruber in my life i had no fucking clue we were gonna watch professor snape blow up a building <laughs> okay so that yeah. was very shocking for me he um, was primarily like a stage actor at the time too and when they brought him in it it was also that kind of reaction of like really like the studio's like that's the guy that we want to cast because who like yeah i mean i'm assuming this is so long before like harry potter so i'm assuming and like like this is it's like i'm trying to put things in context right i'm like alan rickman like what did that name mean at this point i'm assuming not a lot like i mean obviously he's he's been a theater performer for a long time yeah he's he's very famous in the theater and so like i'm assuming that he was successful there but for a film i mean his performance is amazing oh like yeah oh it was awesome of course it is he's fucking alan rickman are you kidding (laughs) the pauses he takes are so pregnant with emotions and like Oh, like it's so funny because I know at this point and nothing he and at this point, like in, in 88, nothing he would do in this film would maybe at the time be registered as a classic Alan Rickman thing. But it's like right. now looking at his old perf- I'm like, that's classic right. Alan Rickman, like just right. the way that he delivers things. Even the switch up. I know I know that's not something that he came up with as an actor, but the switch up where he performs the American accent. Bill Clay. <laughs> Bill Clay. Bill Clay. That's his name. Clay. Bill Bill Clay. Clay. This guy's never heard a fucking name in his life. (laughs) Like, that's what he thinks Americans are named like. So I saw somebody say that if you're going to watch, if you consider Die Hard a Christmas movie, to watch uh, Love Actually and then watch Die Hard because uh, Alan Rickman's character gets his comeuppance for (laughs) cheating on his wife. Yeah, you know what? I I agree with that actually. I really agree with that yeah. statement. Alan Rickman is there, very hateable in both. <laughs> the uh, the scene uh, like we can jump around, right? Oh, absolutely, right absolutely. Talk, talk so about whatever you want. The scene where you see Alan Rickman uh, is like holding on to uh, Holly Gennaro, and he's gonna mm-hmm. like on the edge of the building, and they undo her watch, and he starts to fall. The horror in his face was real. They had Alan Rickman over like a green screen or like a blue airbag. 
Okay. And there, he was 40 feet up in the air and they're filming him from above. And they told him it's the final shot they're going to use him for in the whole movie, just in case he got hurt. Right. But they told him, we're going to go three, two, one, go. And on go, we're going to release you. They released him on two. So his, his shock in his face is like, oh, fuck. And apparently he was not super happy. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, yeah. I get it from like, I guess I get it from like a let's capture the shot perspective. Right. But from as an actor, if you fuckers let me fall on two when you said three, I yeah. would want to sue them. Like 100%. I'd be like, that is my life you're playing with. That's amazing, though. I mean, I have to ask about that moment. I have to ask about Holly Gennaro in general. I mean, I think, for one, it's pretty um, hilarious that it took an entire terrorist attack and a near-death experience for Bruce Willis to be like, maybe I should have supported my wife when she got a promotion. <laughs> should have appreciated her more. <laughs> like, maybe I should have supported her when she became more successful than me. <laughs> like, yeah, man, but I shouldn't have taken you a fucking terrorist attack to figure that out. <laughs> like, just gonna put that out there. But, like, huh. it was so funny with the with the letting go of the watch. I was like, what is this symbolism? <laughs> like, because that's the watch they referenced at the beginning of the movie. I was like... Are we celebrating the fact that, like, Nakatomi Plaza blew up and this woman probably doesn't have a job anymore? Like, are we, like, is that what we're celebrating? Like, what is what is the oh, meaning I'm supposed to get from this? You know what I mean? Oh, Also, the actress who played uh, Holly has one of the greatest actress names of all time. What is Bonnie it? Bonnie Bedelia. Ooh. Bonnie, Bonnie Bedelia. Bedelia. Is that, do you think that's her real, is that her real name? Do you know? Who would change their name to Bonnie Bedelia? <laughs> it, has <to> be. <laughs> it has to be real. It has to be real. Bonnie Bedelia. That's like, it's like badonkadonk. Like, it's like a fun word to say, you know? <laughs> like, badonkadonk is, is uh, like, it's just is a fun word to say. You can't pretend that it's not. Now I have to Google to see, is that her real Bonnie name? Bonnie Bedelia. Bonnie Bedelia. Yeah, no, nobody's changing it. Nobody's no. changing it. No, that's I, fucking iconic. If my name was Bonnie Bedelia, I'll keep uh -huh. that shit too. <laughs> she is also oh okay this blew my mind yes please she is macaulay culkin's aunt what, what she kind is of man? she's a culkin she uh <laughs> she is kit kit culkin who is uh macaulay culkin's uh dad is her brother culkin <laughs> clan she's part of the culkin that clan. just blew my mind into i did not yeah. know that Fucking Hollywood. Everybody wow. knows everybody. Also, I mean, we're we're skipping around a bunch. So let's talk about yeah. let's talk about Reginald Val Johnson. Yeah. Yeah. So oh, man. I mean, the I dad know that from Family Matters. Yeah. So that is how I've always heard of him being referred to, and I am not familiar with Family Matters, so don't understand oh. that reference at all. But oh. he's pretty fun in this movie. I really liked him. He's like yeah. one of the main like warm heart centers of the film. Yeah, and he was also, it's another, like, typical for this movie is he was a struggling actor, didn't really have anything going on, and finally got this role, and it changed his life forever. Yeah. In that, um, the movies that made us, he talked about how this movie changed his life. He was able to buy his mom a house, oh. bought her a car, and that she passed shortly after, but that he was so proud that, like, she got to see him succeed. Of course. Which is great. But also, how old do you think he was in this movie? Oh man, uh, this is where this is where I'm probably wrong, but I would guess he's got to be like forty. I it blew my mind, but he said I I believe he said he was thirty one. Thirty. 
day one. Right? He did not look like a 31-year-old dude. No, he did not. He did not. He didn't carry himself with with the, like, maturity of a 31-year-old either. Like, it seemed like he was, like, retired cop energy. Right? He was like, he's like, I'm going home to my wife. I don't, I don't. Also, they gave the, they gave the police brutality plot line to the black cop. (laughs) Like classic, fucking oh, this classic, is the 80s. right? Yeah, it was the wild west. <laughs> wild west. Also, because uh. literally at the beginning, um, when he when Bruce Willis kills the first guy, uh, Carl's brother, um, right? As soon as he, right before he kills him, the guy goes, "Oh, you're a policeman. You won't hurt me. Policemen have <laughs> rules they have to follow." And he goes, "That's what my captain keeps telling me." And I was like, "Okay, Bruce Willis, we've been uh. killing some people, haven't we? <laughs> I can oh, tell." Man. So good. Um, uh, also, so early in the movie too, is there like um, Ellis, the guy that's the coked up, yes, uh, employee of Nakatomi Plaza? Uh, or uh, Ellis, love. Is that there guy. a more punchable face though never. in TV history never, or movie never. history? I, I talked about in like the I did a, an episode of Jennifer's Body, and I talked in the Jennifer's Body episode about how Adam Brody has one of the most punchable faces in history. But I, I take it back because I think this Ellis guy kind of tops that. By a lot. Yeah. And I've never been more excited to watch a guy get shot in the face. Yes. <laughs> never. I've never been like, oh, yeah, shoot that motherfucker. He deserves it. He does. I was like, oh. you know what, Hans? Do us all a favor. Just oh, fucking man. take okay. that guy out. So then also Carl, you mentioned Carl. Yes. Do you know any of his background? Not even a little bit. Please enlighten okay. me. Your mind is about to be split in twain. Please he do. was a member of the uh, uh, Russian ballet. Like he was a famous russian ballet dancer long blonde hair long blonde hair he defected and moved to america in the late 70s from russia yeah he was a uh a russian american ballet dancer and film actor he was a member of the bolshoi ballet and he was their premier the premier dancer it says wow ballerino alexander gudinov wow holy shit I mean, I could really tell with the way he was waving those guns around that that man must be a dancer in his time. He looked uh, real graceful hanging from his neck on that chain. Wow, that's Now, crazy. also, you mentioned his hair, his flowing hair. Long, beautiful blonde hair. Uh, outside of Bruce Willis, one thing I was thinking as I was watching, though, outside of Bruce Willis, I don't think there was a haircut in the movie that I would want. No, not not at all. Every single, it's really so 80s, you know? It's so 80s, and then they try to make these people look like Europeans, and I'm like, I don't know what the fuck was going on in Europe in the 80s, because holy shit, like, none of you look vogue to me, okay? <laughs> like, maybe that's my skewed perspective of, of Europe. I don't know what Germans look like. I don't know. No. You could point at any white person and be like, that person's German, and I'd be like, okay. You yeah, know, white people all me. look the same to me, no offense, but it's... <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I'm That's like, I can't. the same hair. That's why I couldn't watch Game of Thrones. I was like, all these white people look the same. <laughs> they look the same. How am I supposed to tell the difference? Why you is that like, guy I'm mad one-eighth Scottish. I'm like, I don't give a fuck, man. You're all British. Just kidding. I Full respect to the Scots. Uh, they, they get us. Um, now, I will, I, I will say we have to talk about Argyle, I think. I think we have to talk about yeah. Argyle. He's such yeah. a fun detail in the movie. I yeah. every, every time they cut to him is a gem. Yeah. He is the uh, the limo driver to the stars. I love that Bruce Willis is just an everyman, sits in the front seat of the limo with Argyle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they put the teddy really, bear in the back. Very cute detail. I love that he sat and, in the front. And, and the guy's and like, Argyle, this is not what I was expecting. 
when Argyle's bragging about what the, like the limo, this is state of the art. It's got VHS, it's got TV, <laughs> it's got a phone in it. It's like, yeah, that is state yeah, of the that art. That is state of the art in 1988. Because he was, he was listing things. He's like, we've got TV, we've got phone, we got CB, yeah. we got radio. I was like, oh, wow, Argyle, oh, okay. Ooh, radio. <laughs> you have a radio in this bitch? That's crazy. Oh. And then he turns on, he turns on uh, Christmas and Hollis, the Run DNC song. And yes. Bruce Willis is like, can we put on some Christmas music? He's like, this is Christmas music. Yes, iconic. And then they like crank it. Yeah. <laughs> iconic line iconic also immediately after that played i was like i need to put the song on my christmas playlist obviously <laughs> right now and you know i love that he's got that he's got that like comic relief kind of thing going throughout the film where every time they cut to him he's like talking to his girlfriend on the phone yeah <laughs> he's like yeah, baby to i told you i'm coming through yeah, <laughs> yeah, like. yeah. he like the cutback he's like vibing in the car the building's blowing up <laughs> like john mcclain is like tell me you heard the shots and it's like he is not hearing no. anything and he's like drinking <laughs> liquor in the back of the limo right yeah. now argyle's having a blast so when he looks over and sees the ambulance that the bad guys are going to escape from pull out of the big truck that's in the yes. underground parking uh while they were doing the initial screening for like cast and crew uh somebody pointed out that there's a shot because they added that idea way later in the in the production that that's how they would get away because they were kind of writing this movie as they went they had a certain amount of it ready to go and then it was we're going to work fast and we're going to figure this out as we're as like on the fly for, for a heist what? movie. That seems batshit crazy to me. Right? <laughs> like, yes. The whole thing is like, how are you going to get away with this? <laughs> so the scene where the ambulance comes out of the back and out of the back of this big truck, they're like, Oh, cool. But while they were screening it, somebody pointed out, they're like, Oh my God, there's a shot where we see everybody coming out of the back of that truck and there's no fucking ambulance in there. Oh, and man. so the director, somebody said to the director, what are we going to do? We're going to have to do this. Yeah. And the director, uh, uh, John Tiernan was just like, who gives a fuck? I don't care if somebody in the crowd is like, wait a second, two hours ago, there wasn't a thing. He's like, who cares? Who gives a rat's ass? Fuck yeah. continuity. <laughs> <laughs> I love that attitude from a director. That's so funny. Yes. I mean, also like, he's not wrong though. Like, yeah. you know, it's like in a movie like this, like who's going to be like, actually, logically, yeah. I think like, this is not like it's a fucking it's a Christmas action movie. Like, yeah, you know, I was talking to I was talking to someone earlier and they were like, do you think it's a Christmas movie? And I was like, I, I would say no, but I would say it's an action movie that takes place on Christmas like exactly you know it's like there's christmas elements like when they discover my favorite is when they when they finally get through the vault and uh and they play just like blaring like like joy to the world like it was like that but not that song it's like something else of that in that yeah. vein and they just like play it like loud like uh, like booming in the back as they see the money they've been trying to steal this whole movie <laughs> I was like, yeah, I get why people think it is a Christmas movie. They've got, and they literally, yeah. as soon as that happens, they say, Merry Christmas. Like, it's the end of a Hallmark movie, and the white woman and man are finally getting married. Like, it's yeah. that vibe, oh. but it's that they just broke through a vault. So It's so great. It's also, fun. just something something you just said made me think, too. When they first come into the building, it's the, the like, the black tech geek guy that oh. they've got that's going to break. Theo. So he's like. <laughs> do this thing like he's talking about like oh and worthy passage some magic and magic back and then and then they just shoot the security guard yes. then they take this little hockey puck thing yes. and they roll it around the corner and it explodes like a flashbang and it blinds the other guard and they come around the corner and shoot him they easily 
could have just stepped around the corner and shot him. That guard wasn't like on guard with his gun up or anything. No. But they had to throw in like a flashbang. They just like the pizzazz. They just, they like to make a show of it. Also the, the tech guy, Theo, that man, I I know his name because I wrote it down like four times. Okay. And that man could, could in that outfit, Okay, exactly as he is in that outfit in this movie. He could make a little TikTok right now to some trending sound, post it, and all the girls and gays on that little TikTok (laughs) app would fucking lose their minds. And I know that because I'm one of them. Okay, that (laughs) man is so attractive in this movie. And his outfit with the sweater and the and the rolled up sleeves and the little roll and the little watch. Oh my god. With the little gold frames. That man would go viral on TikTok right now <laughs> there's people and out there trying to look like him his, i don't have his real person name i just know that he's the, i just know that he's gimmick. theo yeah 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 i know his name is theo in the movie we should find so, out who he is because i got to give that man some credit for being uh, so fine clarence clarence gilliard clarence gilliard i know he's also while i'm looking very old now but uh, argyle's name is uh Devereux white but in the it's spelled like d-e apostrophe v-o-r-e-a-u-x that's his okay. first name but in the that online the the netflix thing that i watched he was like no my name is it's actually pronounced devoyer oh. uh, and he's like i don't know my parents were stoned or whatever what <laughs> name okay okay i like that i like that i mean it's your name why not i mean make it as dramatic as you want devoyer yeah Devoyer or nay? I say devoyer. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> oh my god. So I mean, I I did see online when I was looking at all the sequels and how many there are, and I mean, again, mm-hmm. this is a like I said, partially my time constraints, but partially that I knew they were gonna get a lot worse. I I, I usually assume that the second, like the first sequel the second part and mm. maybe the third part might be okay. That's usually what I assume. And I'm sure. picking this up as I'm doing movie series for this podcast. That's what I got from like the matrix and stuff too was like, Hey, the first one was great. And then I was like, yeah, oh, did we need to keep going? I don't. Yeah. The first one, think the so. first matrix was so good that I couldn't wait for the second one. And the second one was so disappointing that I never watched the third. Yeah. Yeah. That happens a lot. I think to series like this. So, so I didn't watch these, but I mean, do you think that there's any space for diehard content to continue? Because I saw they made like a comic book series or something. Yeah. And like, you know, I mean, I, I don't know if Bruce Willis should continue being a superhero fighting, fighting like ter- white terrorists no. in, in L.A. But, but, but hey, who am I? Who am I to judge if there's people who want to produce, spend the money to make Bruce Willis action movies? Sure. I guess do it. But do you think that there's space for diehard related content? How do you feel? I think so. I think like through things like this, like online debate in the last decade, especially of, is it a Christmas movie? Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that Brooklyn Nine-Nine brings it up every 45 seconds. Yes, yeah, so much. So um, much so that I, actually I was genuinely curious enough to watch it. I think it's almost, it's almost become like memed where it's like, I think that if it, if they did do another Die Hard, it would be a huge success. Or if they did really push it as like a graphic novel or whatever. Like I didn't know about the comic book, but I think if they really made the public aware <laughs> that that was a thing, like put a big like marketing uh, behind it, it would take off because people love it. There's something meme There's something uh, that draws people in about it. 
I, I, I do think so. And it's got it's got kind of like a self-aware quality to it, right? Like I think the movie is is very clearly obviously an action film. But like every so it's like when he glances over at the tape before he, before he makes the decision to strap the gun to his back, which is like again right. like a thing that I knew would happen because of fucking Brooklyn Nine Nine. But right. but I I knew it was gonna happen. But even so, it's like when he looks the shot where they establish that he's seen the tape, they play like 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 jingle bells in the back. <laughs> like they have like huh. like I think it's a little bit self aware of like the Christmas charm in a way that almost feels kind of ironic to me like i think it's like mm. the movie knows that it's it's like a it's an action movie but at christmas like it's like it, it almost has that um you know when a when a show does a movie special it's like if die hard was a series before like a tv show already about right. a cop um, who fights crime in in New York? It's like Die Hard is the Christmas movie special, you know, right. and that's yeah. like the vibe that it gave me the whole time that I was watching it. Is like the character has already been established. This is him at Christmas time. Of course, there's hijinks, and of course, he has to solve a crime. You know, like that's kind yeah, of how it's I got. Take. It's kind of how I felt about it the whole time, and I thought that was kind of like yeah. a fun energy to have as like a standalone. <laughs> it's like yeah, it's just like it's not doesn't have to be happening at Christmas, but it is. <laughs> So you just reminded me too with the thing about the gun on his back and the yippee ki motherfucker. So in the TV edit, and I think it's Die Hard 2, they edit it so when he says yippee ki motherfucker, he's, he says yippee ki Mr. Falcon. There's no character in the movie called <laughs> Mr. Falcon. Who the fuck is Mr. Falcon? But they threw that in there, so. That's, that's very funny. Yeah, I guess I hadn't really thought about how like in the 80s, was this like an obscene amount of swearing to have in a movie i don't think so i think in the 80s it was was it like you know there was teen teen movies had more f-bombs than you would have now some older films are like pretty it depends i think the respectability politics around swearing are pretty complicated and unnecessary (laughs) sometimes but but i i I think like there's there's i've seen older movies that have a lot of a lot of swearing but i'm assuming for television a lot of that would yeah. to me. It's like when I watched Pulp Fiction too. I was like, they probably had right. to take out a bunch of stuff to put this on TV where the children yeah. can see it. <laughs> oh God. Um, so in Die Hard with a Vengeance, there's a scene where one of the challenges that the terrorist sends him out to do is he has to go to Harlem with a sandwich board that says, I hate N-words. Whoa. And it says it on it. And so he, these dudes see him and Samuel L. Jackson saves him from those guys. And like tries to convince these guys like, no, he's just, he's mentally ill. Like you can't, don't, don't attack him. He's just, he's escaped from the hospital kind of thing in the TV edit. And apparently it's when they filmed it because they didn't want him to walk the actual streets of Harlem with that sign is sign just said, I hate everybody. But then like, you see these dudes get like so mad and they like walk up to him like, what's your problem? You hate everybody. (laughs) Can you imagine? You just see someone holding a sign saying, I hate everybody being like personally offended. What, you mean yeah. me? You mean <laughs> me specifically? Wait, I'm a body. I'm a body. I'm one of the everybodies. You don't like any of us? That's fucked up. I love these guys. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's, uh, I mean, I think it's a good good bet uh, on the parts of the production to not have an actor yeah. <laughs> have that sign for real in the real streets of Harlem unless they're trying to lose an actor to the streets. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But that's oh man yeah I think I think these movies do I think the movie does have I I won't say these movies I haven't seen them all but I think this movie like I, I can see some of why it has endured 
But why do you think it has endured as a type of, I mean, I would say it's a type of cult classic, right? And yeah. like, it's got it's got a pretty major following from what I can tell, from what I've picked up from references. And some of yeah. these lines, like, I I knew they were from Die Hard, uh, but also even before I, before I knew that, I knew they were popular. Like, welcome to the party, pal, is a thing that I've heard right. so much in my life. And sure. I mean, like, I had no reference to it before, before Brooklyn Nine-Nine. But even after that, I kind right. of forgot that it was from this movie and then I saw it and I was, it's always fun for me as someone doing this podcast to see the references I've seen all my life in context. Um, right. But so many of them have endured and the film itself has endured um, with this huge, following why, why do you think that is because it was kind of the first of those movies where it was like like one of the things they talked about in the movies that made us is that after die hard hollywood just wanted a bunch of those so it was mm -hmm. like we'll do it uh die hard on a plane mm -hmm. we'll do die hard at the white house we'll do right. die hard here. and they just had all these like watered down versions of it and they never quite like because it has such a good mixture of everything. Like there's there's good action, but not just like standard shoot 'em up scenes. Like mm -hmm. they they get creative with stuff and the way that guys are uh, meeting their you know bad guys are meeting their demise. Mm -hmm. And there's also the it's funny, like you said, like the when he's like, God, I hope Argyle heard those shots. And it cuts back to him and he's listening to his music in the backseat yeah. of the car. Like, yeah, baby, I'm coming through later. Don't worry. Like it, it's just a good mixture and great casting and it's just it it there was there wasn't really a misstep in the movie mm -hmm. like there's not something that you sit there and you go oh well that i liked it all except that scene was pretty lame or stupid or whatever i was like it's it's a pretty fun movie end to end yeah um it's a good package it's, yeah and it and it's fast it zips by it's not a very i don't think it's a very long it film. is actually i because i have is to it? watch it twice it's over two hours long like oh my goodness. like it's not like insanely i mean i grew up with movies that are over three hours long but uh like it's not like bananas Ooh, but but rebel. it's like i know but like compared to i think like i think uh movies that would come out now that are action films i think a lot of them right. are less than two hours long for sure and like this movie, I, I agree. I think it, it, the the pace of it is is brisk because they manage the stakes so well throughout mm. the entire film. It's it's pretty remarkable actually because I've seen. I know I say I didn't grow up on a lot of action films, but I should say that I, I grew up on a lot of action films that are bad. <laughs> and I've what seen would be another? What's another example of an action film that you do like? That I do. I mean, I I, I will say I liked The Matrix. Like that's right, like, okay. I think I would qualify that as an action film for sure. Sure. And um, I'm trying to think of other examples, but like, because I didn't watch a lot, like, and I have a whole reference of films from my childhood that are just not reference, like not very reference friendly to people here. Right. right so okay. it's like, I grew up in India. So I have like action films I grew up watching that hold a lot of nostalgic place in my heart, even if they're not the most like sound, like plot wise or whatever. But, but I, you know, often it's like the story or like the spectacle that I enjoy and some of the fights are hella unrealistic, but they're fun, you know? Right. And I, I, I found like in this film, they established the stakes early on and then they only got higher and they did it in a way that I thought was really well crafted so that the story mm. didn't suffer um, in in lieu of the action and in fact it's like you know i think all those all those elements work together really well in a way that it felt completely um you know on the, on the same page like i i love that they you know they had him discover the one c4 explosive first and use it and then it's right. like you know, the audience knows what to expect with a blast 
with one of those. And then right. later on, they reveal there's so fucking many of them. And it's yeah. like the audience knows, oh, shit, if this goes off, the building's fine. You know, like, I think right. they do a really good job of establishing those things. It's like, oh, he tried finding shoes. He can't find them. Okay, well, now he has to do all this shit barefoot. You know, he's fighting and in a, in a construct. He's on a live construction site. Right. Barefoot. That's already high stakes. But now this fucker has seen his feet. Like, as soon as Hans sees him, the first thing he sees are his feet. Right. They introduce Hans on the ground looking at his feet. So we know he knows. The guy's got no shoes on. So later right. on, that's how he can set up that conflict for him to have to walk across all this glass. Like, I think they're really, right. really smart with, like, it, that's why I find it shocking that they were writing this movie, <laughs> like, as they were doing as it. As they went, Because yeah. to me, it's like, a lot of the conflict is actually, like, the foreshadowing for a lot of stuff is set up in a really smart way. And I think it makes it so that as the audience is making these discoveries, it's going to be exciting for them. They get to be in on, like, you know, I think, like, the fact that the audience doesn't know what these fucking German people are doing here. Until right. until everybody does, you know, it's like really when Holly Gennaro is like, so all this fucking nonsense for a robbery, you right. know, it's like it's been hinted that these guys aren't terrorists because he because he laughs and says, what makes you think we're terrorists? But, yeah. you know, I think it's like it just pulls random terrorist groups that they asked to be released. And one of them was shit. like a Quebec, a group, a group of Libertation from- <laughs> de Quebec or whatever. <laughs> exactly. They're like, ah, oh, the separatist movement in, yeah. in, in Canada. <laughs> Oh, it was also funny because when you mentioned the shoes too, my wife uh, watched the movie with me and she said, why doesn't he just take that guy's shoes? And they even, and then like a second later, he's like, of all the terrorists in the world, I had to kill the one with feet smaller than my sister. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, I think, I think it's like they, they establish the stakes right away and then they just do a really good job of making them, of pumping them higher and higher and higher and higher. Like, you know, the great big Holly Holly Gennaro is Mrs. McLean reveal. Like we know right. it's coming. We know that as soon as he finds out that that's his wife, shit is fucked. Yeah. You know? And so like, I think it's just, it's done in a way that's very artful. And so there, that I really appreciate about the movie that it's not all pomp and spectacle and like fun kicks in elevator shafts um, and like right. big explosions. I think that as far as a film that relies on tension and stakes and like rising danger, that it does a really good job of of I think like holding up like it's like it's just like it's a, it's a, it's an action movie that's fun to watch and it's smart so yeah. the audience feels smart too for like as they follow along <laughs> they're like oh fuck what's gonna happen next? well that's the thing I think that one of the reasons that it's uh, sustained so long is that dummies and smarties can enjoy this movie yes. So yes. like you don't have to even realize all of the little foreshadowing things no, like and like along the way to be able to enjoy this movie. Now question, mm-hmm. did you know that this film was Oscar nominated? What? Did no, you know I that, did not. How many Oscars do you think this was nominated for? Okay, now that you've said that, I want to assume it's something ridiculous. Was it nominated for like 12 oscars four, four? oscars that's still for, a lot more still a lot more than than the average action film yes uh, visual effects sound mixing editing and sound editing okay it didn't win any but yeah hey that's still fine. me neither i haven't won any yet <laughs> so so that's fine me and die hard are the same oh. um that's that's amazing though i mean i, I will say i thought this like the the music in the in the movie is great the, mu- the music was done by uh, Michael Kamen, who did uh, ho- like dozens and dozens of great movies and things throughout the year, movies and TV shows. Uh, but he also did 
Metallica did a concert called S&M and it was Metallica and the San Francisco Symphony Orchestra who Michael Kamen was the conductor of. And so okay. he did this big, like famous concert where it was Metallica with an orchestra. Wow. Yeah. That, that actually sounds very cool. It I was, it was badass. I would be very curious about that. Definitely check that out. It's very fun. Um, nice. But yeah, Michael Kamen, he, he has a very deep resume, but uh, I don't have the Wi-Fi to inform you. <laughs> hey, that's absolutely okay. We don't need to give Michael Kamen too much uh, airtime. It's okay. He's very successful. That's uh, that's amazing, though. I mean, yeah, I guess I guess that kind of also prompts this question of, like, I know that commercially and in popular culture and with the fan base, this movie has remained so successful. So ha- was it a com- like was it a, uh, a critical success as well yes. at that point? Um, it has, it got, I believe it got 94% Rotten Tomatoes. Like, that's the okay. RT scores on there um and yeah and it was a huge box office success as well um and and clearly genre defining in 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 a lot of ways for yeah for action films going forward um well you know i mean i think that that does answer a lot of my my most pressing questions about it is there is there something else you want to you want to make sure people know Um, about die hard anything you think it would be fun for the for the general populace the for the canadian uh viewer the uh, city worker who's like in the manhole and they're like you got to shut down the electrical yes. grid that was canadian stand-up comedian rick dukeman who okay. lived in vancouver for a while he was also the um next door neighbor in the tom hanks movie the burbs which was very big <laughs> back in the day um, okay let's go canadian stand-up comedian okay yeah rick dukeman so other go than rick. that i i don't know i think that we've we've covered it pretty well um i do highly recommend to anyone listening if you enjoy the movie definitely watch the the movies that made us episode about it because there's yeah. so many fun little facts and things that honestly I, I i might do that myself i think i think as like a you know as someone who was born in the late 90s myself like it's it, you know i think it's difficult to really contextualize um films like this which are genre defining and also career establishing for so many right. people that are in it like because it's it's so easy to see that as um you know, you see, you see, you see the after effects. I know who Bruce Willis is as he is related to in Brooklyn Nine-Nine as the icon, you know? So I think in that, in that way, it's really helpful to talk to someone who knows about him being a fucking whatever kind of guy, like a fucking some guy on TV before this film. I think that's really fucking sick that this movie, unlike so many of the others that I, that I tend to do, like sometimes I look at like really big, uh, films that that do have these sequels, right? Which, like, it's like there's so much commercial money grab related media right. that's put out there, which is, it's a business, I get it, whatever. But it's really cool to see a movie that didn't start off that way. Right. Um, one know? of the big, like, one of the big things in the movie, is, is they had, like, just, uh, I'm trying to think how, how to put it, but they were talking about, like, one of the things, this is how basic it was when they were making it, uh, is that one of the things they were like, we, the top of the building has to blow up. That was okay. one of the things they're like, we're going to make this movie. We don't exactly know where we're going just yet. We've got the first 30 pages, but the top of the building is going to blow up at some that's, point. We know that. So that's one of the like, things they We're going to blow the roof off this popsicle stand. <laughs> yeah. We know that is happening. Everything else is not important. Yeah. We don't know how. But we will blow up this motherfucking building. <laughs> We're fighting to get to that. Uh, That's so that, funny. Like, whatever. 
I would love to make a movie with just like w- like an action based thing and being like, look, the plot will work how it will work. <laughs> okay, we'll get there. However, we're gonna get there. We'll get the cast. We'll get the camera people. But we're gonna blow up yeah. this house. Like, <laughs> yeah. At some insane. point, we're gonna set the river on fire. But it's gonna happen. Then, yeah. It's gonna happen. We're gonna murder this horse. How? Why? <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> That's so crazy. Oh man. Yeah. It sounds like it really, it really came together with just like you know. I think I think <laughs> I think this happens with movies and and with art in general. Sometimes it's just like the perfect little recipe. Yeah. For for success, and maybe this movie just had the right ingredients to be like this smash hit that's endured through so much, like so many fucking Christmas movies get made. Yeah. <laughs> is the thing and like the fact that this i mean of course it's not just a christmas movie i think it's more than that but i wouldn't say that it's not a christmas movie i just think that it's a christmas movie plus it's just got a lot more plus going on and uh, and i think that if someone is to enjoy this as part of their christmas movie rotation hey i got i got no problem with that i think more it's a power to one. you yeah, like I think ultimately it's like issues that I generally have with this genre are always going to be there. Like uh, how many women spoke in this movie? L- hey, let's not worry about it because there's going to be. yeah. <laughs> Look. <laughs> there's Holly that's and just there's what the happens. pregnant lady. Ho- and Holly and the pregnant they're one. They're made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Holly, the pregnant lady, Paulina, and their daughter, if you want to yeah. go that far, I guess. Come she home. goes, come home. <laughs> also, my God, if there's one other character that I wish Hans Gruber had shot, yeah. it's the fuck journalist yeah that guy holy shit so glad in. that holly gets to punch him at the so hospital during, or whatever during it during like you're uh, uh in a terrorist hostage situation he goes and interviews your child yeah oh my god i have to mention this moment because it cracked me up oh so much is when i know <laughs> john mcclain is able to make contact with the police and he says there's a terrorist attack They've killed somebody. And the person goes, Sir, this line is reserved for emergencies <laughs> only. <laughs> it's a fucking funniest thing. I'm like, oh. this is such a pre-9-11 movie. Because holy shit, after 9-11, if you called anybody yeah. and you were like, there's a terrorist attack... Can yeah. you imagine anyone being like, um, wrong number, try <laughs> Yeah, it's because he was on the walkie-talkie. And there's another funny walkie-talkie scene that just re- you just reminded me of, is that at one point you just hear John McClane go, ugh. And they're like, what's going on? What's going on, John? And he's like, oh, I just ate an old Twinkie. Why did you have to hold down the walkie-talkie button? <laughs> To be yeah, like, to make that. He's like very intentional to hold yeah. that down and be like, I mean, like Roger, ugh, disgusting. But then even so, he's like, ugh, what's in these things? And then Reginald Vell Johnson's like, yellow dye number five, hydrogenated oil. It's like, he why does being, he know? Why do you know this? Yeah, Reginald, why are you standing there and reading this? I mean, is it a reference to like? Because he's buying something, like he's like, buying a food like that when right. it was originally introduced. So maybe that's why. But like, it was weird. I'm like, why are you listing these? Yeah. You little creep. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> oh man. Yeah. It's like there's a lot of sort of throwaway lines. I think this is part of maybe the charm of the movie that that's continued to remain like such a big factor for for why people love it is the little throwaway lines that. John McClane has just like little shit that he says. I think it's like, sir, this line is for emergencies only. Yeah, no kidding, lady. What does it look like? I'm ordering a fucking pizza. (laughs) It's just like, I think he's just, he says funny, charming things. And even though so much of the time he's by himself, but it's like some of his acting is not the best, but he's, he's still just like, yeah. 
why did I have to do that? Why, why, why couldn't you stop him? Because then you'd be dead too, asshole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of like him talking to himself going, think, think. Yeah. But I just, I enjoy it. I think he's, he's fun enough to watch. Yeah. Well, they were worried during the filming that because his, they thought his smart Alec sense of humor and like smart ass shit, they, they're like, yeah, that plays on a small screen, but this is the movies. This will never work. We've got to tone oh. it down. And it's like, if they had, they, they would have ruined the movie. Absolutely. I think if they had, the movie would not have been as successful because I think, I think it's largely this cavalier in the face of like cavalier attitude in the face of great tension. I think there's something in there that people want to emulate. Mm. And, you know, I think they want to believe that in such a high crisis situation, they would be able to handle it the way that John McClane can. And I, and I, th it's like, I mean, isn't that why fucking Jake Peralta is obsessed with him? Sure. Like, you know, it's, it's this belief that, okay, if, if there was a fucking attack going on right now that I could keep my cool, in the middle of all of it and take every single bad guy down one by one the way fucking John McClane could. And I, and I think like, you know, okay, you know, it's, it's an ideal to look up to. Like, I don't, I don't want to knock it, but it's also like, Hey guys, <laughs> if there was a terrorist attack right now, you'd be shitting your little white boy pants. Okay. Like no offense, but none of you fuckers could handle anything. You would be an Ellis maybe. So I would go ahead and take yourself down a peg, but I get it. Like I get, it. I think I understand the fantasy of it because why, why not? If you can imagine anything, why not imagine that in a crisis you would be as cool as John McClane? Sure. Hey. Firing up, firing up darts at the, at the airport and making fists with your toes. Yeah, why not? Make some fists with your toes. If there's a terrorist attack, maybe that'll help. <laughs> well, thank you so, so freaking much. Uh, I think this is a really fun movie. I, I, I think I will check out that the movies that made us episode yeah. because there's clearly more to this than we could even cover in this episode. And, and I think sometimes these films that I happen to watch for this podcast are actually little pieces of history that, yeah. uh, that have a lot more connections than I could ever cover on a yeah. podcast. Episode, and and so. go ahead and dig into Die Hard with a Vengeance just because yeah. it's just fun. Also because that sounds very fun. And I want to know who they cast as Alan Rickman's brother because and I'm it, just personally invested. Oh, can I tell you? Yes. Jeremy Irons. So they get another Stop. like legendary actor. Yes. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, okay. You know what? I might just fuck around and watch the second one. Does it also take No, place that's the Christmas? third. Don't that's you don't third? you can skip right over the okay, the second one that. the plot is that is that terrorists take over an airport, I think Denver, oh. and that they Stop. they start mixing with the like tower to make planes crash because the planes think that they're like 500 feet higher than they are. And so then the planes all start crashing. They're like, we will crash a plane every hour on the hour until our demand. Oh my event. God. So yeah, skip that one. None of the pilots one. can be informed of any of this? Okay. I guess let's, not. Yeah, let's, let's go to the third one. That sounds yeah. good to me. Let's go to the third one for sure. Okay, I will watch yeah. that. And maybe, hey, maybe if I talk about it again, uh, I will invite you back to talk awesome. about it some more. Okay. Can't wait. Thank you so, so much, Kevin. Tell the people where Thank they can you. find you. Uh, you can find me on uh, uh, Twitter at Banner Comedy, TikTok at Banner Comedy, and uh, you can get my album on apple music or anywhere that albums are available it's called dreamboat came out a few years ago and uh i'm very proud of it so please listen and enjoy i will thank you so much kevin thank you have a good one 
And with that, we're at the end of this episode. A huge thank you again to Kevin for being on the pod. Go check out his comedy album, Dreamboat, and follow him on social media. The links are in the description. As I said, this episode is the last episode of OK Fine, I'll Watch It for 2021. This year has been full of blessings and beginnings for me, and this podcast is a part of that. So if you have spent any of your precious time listening to this podcast this year, I am grateful for you this holiday season. The podcast will be on a brief holiday and organizational hiatus, but I'll be back in February 2022 with brand new episodes, good old me, and a whole lot more surprises. Of course, as always, I want to hear your thoughts about this episode. Do you think Die Hard is a Christmas movie? You can always share your thoughts with me through the OK Fine community Discord. This is linked in the bio of the podcast Instagram. The Instagram, of course, is at OK Fine. I'll watch it. But following the Instagram and joining the Discord, you can stay in the loop for what I'm watching next. And of course, you can recommend what you think I should watch. Spoiler alert, I might listen to you. Finally, please remember to subscribe to or follow the podcast so you don't miss an episode and rate and review if you liked this episode. That's everything from me. If you join the Discord, I'll see you there. And I'll talk to you guys next year. Okay, bye!